Hi there. We would like to thank Zack Snyder, Matthew D'Elia, Evan Ritchie, Kenneth Buchanan, and Andrew Forneridis. All of these people and more have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv to help us out. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about Bioshock Infinite, which is a first-person shooter developed by Irrational Games and published by 2K Games for the PC, Xbox 360, and PS3 in 2013. Yeah. Rounding out another series. Yep. I love um, when we finish these series. I know, right? Um, um, yeah, this is our first premium episode. It is indeed. So we've talked about this in other places before, but if this is the first time you've learned of this, um, under the current Patreon model, what we are doing is we are making one episode of Watch Out for Fireballs per month premium, which means that the entire thing will be available on our Patreon feed. Uh, uh, however, if you're listening in the public, what you're going to get is a preview. So you're hearing this and you're going to hear up through the generalities. Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of after we talk about the mechanics and the development and the legacy. Um, and if you want to get the rest, uh, you can go to Patreon. Yep, it's for $5 backers. Um, so you get one of those every month. You get two episodes of Bonfire Side Chat. You get a couple episodes of Advert Suffering. Um, you get a bunch of stuff. Yes. So uh, and those you'll get the archive of it. So mm -hmm. if you say, hey, like I can't afford the $5 a month, wait a few months, you know, save a dollar a month. Then throw us five dollars and listen to those back episodes. Yes. We understand people will do that. We think it is okay. We built it, but um, yeah, we built it in. Yeah. So yeah, um, regardless of how you are here, welcome. Yeah. Um, to <laughs> what's gonna be like a little bit of like a cranky stomp fest, but like maybe an interesting <laughs> one. Like imagine like a little bit of um, like a, a a train wreck or like a like a bad prom. Bad prom? <laughs> yeah, bad prom. Everybody's bad favorite prom. movie. You know, everyone's just going to look over and be like, oh, bad prom. <laughs> Ooh, bad prom. You know, yeah. but you can't, you can't not look because, you know, somebody got up on stage and is doing a choreographed something. <laughs> this is, um, you know, this, somebody this... proposed. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh no, no, propose a prom. No, I got to go. I got to go. Like, <laughs> please, go to the bathroom. I don't like please, this. Please don't twerk while you hold that baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stop baby twerking. Don't, why'd you bring your, your prom baby to prom? <laughs> Like you, you, you conceived it at junior prom and you had it. You're bringing it to senior prom. No prom babies. I mean, like, no like, baby should be in prom twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
yeah, this is you, you know, so this episode 227, we've talked about roughly that many games. This is kind of unique. At least it is, it is for me. And I don't know about how it is for you. I generally don't come into a game that we play for the show with too strong of a preconceived notion. Like mm-hmm. the strongest that I come into it with is, um, oh, I remember liking this when I was young. I hope that I still like it, but I'm well, ready for it to not, right? To, to qualify that, like with too preconceived of a negative notion, because yes. we go into things with a positive feeling all the time. Yeah. Where yeah. we're like, oh, yeah, like I, I, I fucking love Resident Evil 2. Let's cover it. Like yeah. I know that stands up. Yes. Um, we don't go in with like a hit squad. Like that's not what we do. And that in was this. absolutely my posture coming into yeah. this, though. And yeah, it's and it's just it's rare. And the reason why I want to cover it is like one um, is that we are fans of the series, like having done last year, we did Bioshock Infinite 2 or Bioshock 2. And we're just like, oh, you know, this is a good series. We want to round it out. And two, I think that the way that this fails, like are is very interesting from two perspectives, like one from a cultural perspective and two from like a game perspective. And the cultural perspective has been talked to death. Yes. Like, um, nice little bit of kismet, like about a week before we recorded this, um, Critical Distance published a compilation of, like, the critical body of work on Bioshock Infinite. That is so good. It's super good. Like, from the early on kind of praise to people kind of taking a step back to examinations from every angle. And as we talked about before, like, we're not super equipped to do that. Like, if if you go back to the Hellblade episode, we're not really equipped to do the, like, mental health takedown of that game. Mm hmm Similarly, we're going to complain about the politics of this, but we are not there are smarter people than us taking it to task for that. Yeah. What I do think that there is a hole for is talking about this as a video game, though. Yeah. And we're good at that. And I think that that is something that even you know in that critical distance, it doesn't get touched on very much. Um, it's something that hasn't been talked about a whole lot. Right. So, like, we're definitely going to complain about all that context stuff and the, and the, the story and all of those things. Uh, that are not great, but also I want to look at Bioshock Infinite as a video game, which just kind of hasn't happened very much. Yeah. In this. Even and- when it came out, like even <laughs> when it came out, it was more, this is capital I important. Yes. Um, let's move on. Like this, you know, this, this has the, this feels importanty mm-hmm. in my hands and that's the 10 out of 10 yep. important. <laughs> important. Um, Big game, expensive, yeah. important. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I will say um, is that even though we are not equipped really to talk, to add an awful lot to the body of work about the cultural stuff that this swings at and whiffs, uh, there is integration with theme and play with the story that Ken Levine actually wanted to tell. Um, mm-hmm. And that is absolutely worth taking as that, that, taking as many shots at as we can. Yeah. yeah. Um, Agreed. Like we, we are going to, yes. I just want to say we're not the definitive work on that. No, no. There are, there are other people who have more skin in that game who have written better things. Yes. Um. So, and also, I mean, just because some people like the takedown, some people don't, there are things to like about this game. Mm-hmm. There are set pieces I think are really great. Yeah. We're going to talk about those moments as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, just know it's not going to be a grim death march. Right. Um, we understand that people come to us for different things. Some people like negative episodes. Some people dislike them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? And uh, this is, you know, to your point, it is unique that we are coming into this kind of knowing what it's going to be. But it is not going to be 100% dour because there are things to like. Yes. Um, um, also, because it is uh, impossible to avoid talking about the politics in this, we are not going to apologize for oh, yeah, what yeah. we think is right and wrong. No, so no, no, no. we know that it's bugs cool. certain people, but yeah, there, there's it, no caveat beyond this one that we're going to give. It, in this game, it's crazy that it would bother people. Yeah. Because yeah. the complaining about the politics of this 
Like, it just feels like it should be where you're at. Like, <laughs> right. I understand that also, again, rankles people, but it's it's like, man, the the political, you know, the, the, the presentations of this mm-hmm. are really ugly. Yeah. And some of that's 2018, you know, 2019 brain, but also some of it just feels like it just kind of is. Yeah. So just so you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. uh, before you go into it. Um, so in Bioshock Infinite, you play as Booker DeWitt who is a private investigator with a violent past and you are hired to infiltrate the flying city of Columbia and rescue the girl uh, mm-hmm. who is being held captive there to wipe away the debt. Yep. That yep. debt <laughs> gotta go. Yep. That girl gotta come. Yep. Gotta stay. Yeah. yeah. Um, she, she's, she's not in the right place. Um, mm-hmm. so this takes place in 1912. Um, and there are no immediately apparent links between this and the first Bioshock games you know, the rapture ones, but it very quickly takes a hard left turn and crashes right into that continuity. So the, the, the apparent link is an iconoclast makes a sanctuary city. Yes. You know, so it has that, it had the feeling of an entry in the series that was going to be almost an anthology Mm -hmm. of what do these extreme ideologies look like when considered as a place? Yes. Um, which one of the themes of me replaying this and this episode will be, I wish this was more what it said it was on the surface. Me too. Like that I am down for. Mm -hmm. Give me a series of, and yes, that's like less quote unquote important, but as we will see, like this game biffs the important stuff. Yeah. Um, in a way that's insulting. Like, it's not just like, doesn't, you know, it almost lands, but it doesn't quite like, it's actually pretty shitty what it does with that stuff. So like, just give me like a monster of the week. Like, here's an I here's a fucking weirdo, and here's the city they made in a remote area. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, like th- this person, you know, uh, is a is a chauvinista, and they live in the Arctic. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I don't cool. know, like just give, give, give me these weirdo fucking cities to explore, and give me that sense of place. Yeah, because uh, that's why one of the reasons why I loved Bioshock. Yeah, the first one. You know, just let, um, let, let let me look at the way ideology can shape physical space. Yes, which is one of the cool things it does. Like we, mm-hmm. we talked about in Bioshock that it's not um, the hard hitting critique of objectivism that it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it does portray even a cartoonish way. Like here's an objectivist society like, you know, here is paying for the toilet and here are schools where they teach you not to share. Right. Uh, and stuff like that. Like that does come across. Um, and I would have been down for that. And mm-hmm. this feels like an extension of that for the first maybe third of it yes um we're gonna talk about mechanics before we get into the setting and themes Mm -hmm. um because this is one of the ways biggest ways the game takes a biff yes um i think and it's one of the least talked about things about it so um um, the most important thing to come away from this i think for me is that this is not an immersive sim uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bioshock, uh, one and two were already pretty far on the end of that continuity. You know, mm-hmm. it was not specifically, you know, as crunchy or as fiddly as say system shock, you know, you know, the game that it took its name from. Yeah. Right. Uh, this falls right off of the edge of that continuity and lands right in mediocre first person shooter land. Yep. It is. It is a corridor shooter. Um, the, like, you know, the, the things it's missing from System Shock are like RPG elements more than anything. Mm-hmm. The things it's missing from Immersive Sims in this is that sense of reality and moving through a lived in place. Yes. Um, this has a couple set pieces that are present the idea of of Columbia. Mm-hmm. It happens twice, 
like in the game pretty much two to three times in the game. Yeah. Um, but the places don't feel like you are exploring anything that has its own purpose. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is you don't feel like the other thing about immersive sim is having the game kind of move independently around you. Yes. Um, there's no simulation elements of this. And the way that that was handled in the earlier Bioshock games were through security systems and through big daddies um, and splicers having their own kind of wants, like them seeking the little sisters on their own, regardless of your presence. Mm -hmm. There's a certain apathy to an immersive sim um, yeah. to your presence. And here, everything is waiting for you to come shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that is a corridor shooter. Yeah, is, you, you you could you can sense them like waiting in the wings, like hiding behind the scenery at Disneyland. Yeah, um, you know, as opposed to you know a, a capital I capital S immersive sim where you have to reach out and meet the world. The world yes. just kind of comes at you. Exists in, for you. Yeah, the world just just comes at you in a queue yep. almost. And the world is not enough. No. Um. The uh, Mr. Brosnan told us this. Yeah. Um, there's also not a, uh, uh, a sense of stories being told with the environment, right? There's, you know, one or two like corpses that tell a story in this, but it <laughs> is a, it is a nod. Yeah. And one of the big things, and we'll talk about this during the, the body of the episode as well, but is, uh, and it's just missing is how audio logs are handled mm -hmm. and it feels like it's going to be minor. Like some people are going to think this is a minor point, but one of my favorite things that happens in Bioshock one and two um, is you go into like an old abandoned bar or you go into someone's apartment, mm -hmm. you find their diary, you walk around, you see them, uh, you know, they have killed themselves. There's a bottle of pills. There's a wedding ring on the, you know, mm -hmm. the nightstand. And you hear them talking about how they miss their love, you know, their lost love and how the city is going to shit. And it's like, okay, that is a really little bit of micro fiction about this person here. The audio logs tell the grand story of the history of the place, and they are nonsensibly placed. <laughs> right. Like you go into a free library that uses the honor system, grab an audio log that is from the god king of the city <laughs> explaining uh, things that he would not want citizens of the city to know. Right. When these things, these audio logs, the voxophones, are introduced as like this miraculous personal memo system. Yes. How did this get here? Why is it here? As <laughs> why is he why is he recording it? <laughs> why is he recording his his evil secrets? Uh -huh. Like none of that stuff makes sense, and that creeping feeling that none of this makes sense permeates the entire game. Yes, like it is there for you. You are not going through a real place. You are going through levels, mm -hmm. and it never stops feeling like that for yeah. the whole game. And that's just smaller. It's pettier than the way space was used previously. And it's frustrating mm -hmm. because you know they can do it. They yeah, the people who, you know, and this I mean we'll talk about the development in a yeah. little bit, but like I'm not so naive as to think they forgot how to make a game. Mm -hmm. You know, they still know how to do it. They just decided <laughs> either the mess that was the development of this meant that they didn't have time or this is something that has been painted over so many times that it has become abstract as mm -hmm. opposed to being a level or they just decided very consciously, Hey, this is not a value to us Yeah, this time around. And I suspect it's the second one because this game does have, you know, the, the illusion of a grand swing it wants to take mm -hmm. that I feel like the creative kind of force behind it. I know that's not necessarily only one person, right, but the creative right. force behind it considers more important than all of these things that it did before. And that's a choice. Mm -hmm. I get that choice. All those things you did before were things that I loved. This thing that you have chosen, I do not love. Yeah. You know, I think is less special, less interesting, and also just like requires less craft. Mm -hmm. You know, the um, 
the ending of this, when it gets into when it shows its hand, that is undeniably a little bit neat mm-hmm. is 10 minutes of cutscene. But it's at the end of going through eight hours of bad corridor shooter. Yeah, this is what they what they sold is just insane. Yep. They gave away the fucking baby. Yep. (laughs) Like they didn't even get the dead race. Yeah, they gave away a baby (laughs) in a game that is specifically about why that's a bad thing to do. Yeah, for for sale, free baby, never worn. It's not a short story it's ever been. Power Shock Infinite. Like. You know. Yeah, it, I have I have a point. You know, this point's raised a little bit later. I, I jotted it down, uh, but you know, in in thinking about the nature of fate versus choice, specifically in a work of fiction, um, you know, which he had done even with the uh, oh gosh, would you kindly twist in mm-hmm. Bioshock One? It feels like Ken Levine uh, kind of arrived at the idea that choice is an illusion everywhere mm. disregarding the fact that video games are de- are designed spaces and it's possible to build meaningful choice into them you get so. the, yeah you get to make this yes <laughs> like, like this you're crafting it bud yeah <laughs> like you know? like you control every single aspect of this and what you are so like what you are doing is making a worse thing for kind of a half considered point right if, if the point of bioshock one is that choices in video games are illusion mm-hmm then part of the point or a possible interpretation of Bioshock Infinite is that choice in general is an illusion. Mm-hmm. And how many levels of stoned at Denny's do you have to be on, my dude? <laughs> I think that's true. And what kind right. of privilege do you have to have to yeah. think that? Yeah. And like, and I'm not even talking about like a racial privilege. Like it's not even, you know, this is not SJW soapbox. I'm saying like to be like, to feel so secure and happy and free mm-hmm. as that, like, you know, with the kind of creative power, creative control and wealth mm-hmm. and life that you want, to feel like uh, choices don't matter. You know, of course it doesn't matter if you have everything you want. <laughs> right. Like, it's very easy to just, like, say, like, oh, like, it, you know, it doesn't matter what I do at this point because it's all intellectual. Whereas mm-hmm. then there's real people yeah. who are making these choices that actually matter. And then you done fucked up and you show that happen in the game. Right. <laughs> like, you undercut yourself yeah. with that point. And part of, like, we're going to get into you is that even the kind of grand message just wants to get into is very confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, um, it is not coherent. But e- but even in the original Bioshock, even, you know, that was a story about, you know, how choice in video games doesn't matter, et cetera, et cetera. You still had tons of choice about the way you approach that. Yeah. Right? Like it was, you know, the, 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 the key mechanic of that game outside of exploring this space and kind of understanding what went on here. The key mechanic was looking at an area and then deciding how you wanted to approach it to approach take down it. the big daddy. Right. There was tons of room for player expression that he yeah. just stripped and winnowed away kind of in the service of this point that doesn't land. He made a, yeah. he, he made a worse game to support a grander. Point. Yeah, yeah. He made a worse game to support <laughs> a worse point. Yeah. Yeah. A point that's less. Worth, ma- worth making yeah <laughs> um the uh and a lot of that level design so i want to um something that like so my favorite video games critic um is noah caldwell gervais mm-hmm. who does videos on old pc stuff generally and he's a national treasure and he's my favorite and everyone should go patronize him um he loves this game and he did a video of it and it's the most i've ever disagreed with him and he talks about the level design and our next point about the weapons of being supporting that choice being the same like you have a choice between two things. Like it is a game about these binary choices. So he's saying in the level design, like when you can go up a hallway or down a hallway, but end up at the same point at the end, he's like, that supports the theme. Yeah. And it's like, maybe, but that is not 
what you sold is too in too valuable mm-hmm. for that. Like it's not it. Even if the end point you're trying to make, even if he didn't make a worse game to make a worse point, even if you think that point is good, he definitely made a worse game. Yeah. Like it is. you sold so much of what you have to do. And this and Pyre make, you know, a, an interesting companion because they are both games where I feel like really underlining the importance. It really matters what you're doing in a video game so much. And like, it's like, what am I doing with my hands at most moments? <laughs> yeah. That matters. It has to be fun to move around. It yeah. has to be fun to like do things like it doesn't, or it doesn't have to be fun. It has to at least be interesting and engaging. Mm-hmm. And this just kind of isn't. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, I, I can appreciate where Noah's coming from on that, like interesting design theses expressed through, you know, one or two things, but like that just does not hold at a product at this length. If you're trying yeah. to make that point in an experimental way, you know, you can't mm-hmm. have us doing something unfun and uninspired in support of it because you get it pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> that could be like a Ludum Dere yeah. game or something like that. Or part of or just like work on it more to integrate it better yes and in a way that feels better or or don't sacrifice something better to give me this yep (laughs) you know like the um so so we talked about the two different paths and the level design that comes up again and again um you can also you're limited only holding two weapons Mm -hmm. and this is a standard first person shooter thing specifically specifically on consoles i don't think halo was the first one to do it but they are adopting Mm -hmm. the halo model of you know you do not have an arsenal that you carry with you all all at once at one time mm-hmm. you know similar to bioshock yep. you just pulled up the wheel and selected the item that you wanted no you just you know pick up a gun fire it until it's out of ammo and then they will give you another weapon that is more suited to the uh situation you know uh, either mm-hmm. in the environment or in an enemy that you're going to come up to yep um you can also upgrade these at vending machines um one of the a very key piece of information that this game doesn't tell you that is mandatory, like I think tutorial mm-hmm. thing, is that your upgrades carry across all instances of the weapon. Yes. <laughs> um, so the first time I played this, I didn't realize that. Okay. Um, and like I just knew a little bit. It was 2013. I knew a little bit less. Now I would be like, I assume it's going to carry across all instances because it would be absolutely nonsense if it didn't. Yes. I am upgrading time, this though, gun I, that I'm going to discard when I find a sniper rifle. Yeah. I was like, this this is so dumb. And I was mm-hmm. really mad. This time I knew that it carried across your instances. It doesn't make it as better as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Because I specced for uh, the carbine and the shotgun because they were plentiful and they were good. Mm-hmm. In like long range, short range. Um, and... I still ran out of ammo with regularity and had to switch to off weapons. I still ran into situations that those weren't good for because they just, even with all upgrades ended up underpowered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is a note, but the actual enemy design in this game uh, is really bad. Enemies are exceedingly tanky. Yes. Uh, in this game to where like with my shotgun, I was upgrading at every possible opportunity Many times fights would play out like a Final Fantasy one fight. Yep. <laughs> where we were standing roughly 10 feet apart. I would empty a clip into them. Then they would, you know, they'd be fine. Like mm-hmm. they would start returning fire. I would throw a plasma at them just to put them off their game. So I to give me enough time to reload mm-hmm. and then just empty half of another clip and they would die. And they're not we're not talking about handyman. We're not talking about, you know, the uh, the clansmen or anything like that. It's just a dude. Yeah, it's just a like dude he's, walking he's, around on right. two feet. Yeah, football armor or whatever, but to take more than a shotgun blast, like the weapons, not only do they have that upgrade system and you're limited to two of them, they mm-hmm. feel like shit. Yep. And they're really not powerful. And you can just 
like empty bullets into these like these people who just have limited like unlimited capacity for it it feels like yep. um and all those things play together to make it like even this time when i knew had the foreknowledge mm-hmm. uh to go into it and upgrade it you know i was like okay i'm gonna pick a couple weapons concentrate on them but be open to other weapons but these are where i'm gonna put my upgrades i've been i'm being thoughtful about where i put my upgrades mm-hmm. it still didn't make the weapon satisfying to use yes and this is even if you are uh engaging with the, the plasmid the vigors system yes. rather right which, like, which i had to do <laughs> right you, you, you yeah. just have to everybody else reload. yeah <laughs> like I need, I need to make space for myself like this yep. isn't a game where you set traps but like i don't know i'll set a trap here Seems like yeah. there's not really an awful lot of other places for those guys to go, so they're probably going to run through it. Uh, yep. <laughs> like all of that, it just comes down to you know these derringers are powerful weak. You know, yeah, like exactly. just, you cannot you know, just there, there's no there's no feel to it. And I understand that the thing that's like fucking like the 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 mortar weapon, uh-huh. like it's like shooting bombs. And then like <laughs> this, why is this not hurting anyone? Yeah, it causes you guys to stumble for a second. But I have to unload a clip of even this like very powerful weapon that's hard to aim. I have to uh-huh. unload a literal clip right into them. <laughs> yeah, and you know? so like and and the original Bioshock it made sense because these are spliced up mutants, you know, who turn themselves into botched supermen. So okay, yeah, like it yeah. makes it makes a little bit well, more even, sense within the game. Even though they weren't as bullet spongy as this. Yeah, yeah. Like, but it's yeah, like they, there's, there's no justification in the fiction for this. Yeah, they're they're just guys. <laughs> yeah, this is just police and and mailmen. Mm-hmm. You know that you're killing uh, civil servants. Yes, like you know constantly in this and the uh, so there's no reason for them to be quite as strong, but also they this is the strongest they've ever been. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, in the game. So that is just like a a real bummer. And we'll talk about the individual enemies as we run into them. But like they are bummers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You also have a shield instead of uh, this plays in the health system, which we'll talk about in a second. That makes me want to die. Um, (laughs) You have an electromagnetic electromagnetic shield you get that uh, kind of restores after some time after uh, avoiding damage. It's extremely weak. Mm hmm. Like it does not last very long. It lets you take a few a few shots, even fully. It takes like upgraded. one or two shots. Yeah, and that's if you put all of your points into it. Mm-hmm. Again, the first time I played, I was like, "That sounds good." Yes, you know, the the first time I played, and I put all my points into it and struggled. This time, I was like, "Oh, the shield is bullshit. I'm going to put all my points into health and vigors," mm-hmm. and did a thousand times better. Like yes. a weird difference between my first playthrough this and this one is this one was not hard. Right. The first playthrough, I actually had a pretty hard time with some of the things. This time, it's like, well, no, I get it. But it didn't make it more fun. Mm-hmm. It just made it easier. you know. And one of those things is like the shield is a trap. Like the, the shield is okay, but you just don't get meaningful upgrades mm-hmm. by putting points into it. Yes. So um, you do have health. There is a health bar that is depleted after your shield runs out. Um, mm-hmm. and you think, okay, I will find med kits or whatever. And that's there, but you also restore it like in Bioshock, uh, by rooting around in garbage and eating trash are, apples. Yeah. I mean, you, you had to find med kits. There aren't med kits like there are in Bioshock yes. where you carry them with you. It's mostly eating trash apples. So yes. like the healing in this game is broken down into a couple different things. Like, um, most of the healing I did was finding garbage. Yes. Like was eating a hot dog out of the garbage. I, so, yeah, just I, I really enjoy that the people of Columbia have adopted the pocket dog philosophy. Yeah, everyone, everyone's got a pocket dog. <laughs> yeah. You can just suck it out of their pocket. Yeah. Um, you know, so like just thinking about how, like how that got approved as an idea for like how you heal. Like it, it, it. 
ruined it, it ruins any kind of immersion like it's mm-hmm. very silly yes to in the middle of a heated firefight go dig through the trash right <laughs> and we're not the first piece of the, people to point this out like right, right it is a commonly known dumbass thing about this game right um but even when replaying it i was surprised by who, how few health kits there were mm-hmm. it's mostly eating garbage out of the trash yeah, you're just nickel and diming yourself with <laughs> with, with uh with gutter slurry yeah. And it just, it's ludicrous. Yeah. And it means that you don't have the sense of like, so this impacts a lot of things. Something that's been a theme this month we talked about um, is how power-ups, eliminating a power-up system in your game has far-reaching impacts on your level design. Mm-hmm. So in Bioshock 1, one reason to go into a disused corner is you might find um, an Eve hypo or a health kit. Mm-hmm. That's valuable. I want that. That means I can fight for longer. Here with you can find ammo sometimes, you can find money sometimes, but with that reduced like two classes of pickup mm-hmm. eliminated, the level design suffers because when you get rid of things you can put in hidden places, you disincentivize looking in those places. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I need like I feel like I like woke up to. Like this, you know, <laughs> it's something that came up a lot in Bloodborne in Bonfire Side <laughs> Chat, but just seeing it everywhere now. Just give like, me a reason to go places, please. Give me a reason to fucking go places. Like it is such a good feeling when you find a hidden nook and you find something cool there. Mm-hmm. Um, gotta give me a re- give me something fucking cool, man. <laughs> like you know, and and if you weren't going to make it, um, this like if you weren't going to make it like an actual health pickup, at the very least, it could be more meaningful than ammo. Uh, or a gun that I don't want to use because of your nonsensical gun thing. Yes. Like, oh, I can't pick this up. Like, oh, it's a rocket launcher if I go here, but I don't like I don't like using the rocket launcher. It only has like two bullets. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah, this this health system is ludicrous, right. and I can't think of why they changed it. I don't know why they didn't do health kits because health kits worked really well. I don't know. So this, um, I, I'm like maybe possibly the shift to the two weapons. They also thought let's go full Halo and make it so you have the shield and the health and then this yeah. is just them balancing ba- <laughs> like like balancing towards something worse it is it is a 2013 game and some of that was the style at the time yes you know so so that makes sense but it does mean like without health kits there's no sense of like flexing for an encounter mm-hmm. like that's a really fun part of games that have a resource system is gathering up your resources and taking into a boss or seeing the game give you like two health kits on the ground and being like, Oh shit, what's yep. coming up. <laughs> That's a really great feeling that video games are kind of uniquely poised to give you. Mm-hmm. And this loses it. Like if I find two hot dogs in the garbage, I'm not like Udalali. <laughs> it's just an orphan's birthday. It's nothing <laughs> special. <you know? laughs> it doesn't make me feel good at, you know, as a gamer American. Like it, you know? Right. Yeah. So, so. Uh, health system, literal garbage. Yep. Um, you can upgrade those things with, again, those infusions. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plasmids. They're called Vigors now. Um, and they function function just like plasmids. They're a um, little bit more limited. Mm-hmm. Like there's less utility. It's more like they either uh, do a crowd control or they can do a trap version of that. Yeah. There's much less utility. There's not like, um, you know, there, there's not as... Uh, this one makes like security systems home in on people specifically. Yeah, yeah. And eventually it will summon a little bot for you. Like there's nothing <laughs> like as quite as creative. No, no, it's mostly it's mostly direct damage or damage over time. Yeah. Or holding yep. somebody or, in place. Yep. It's almost exclusively those things. Um, it also fits into the fiction way worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes no sense. I mean, we'll talk about it when we get to it, but one of the dumbest things in this game is somebody giving you a vending machine robbing plasmid for free <laughs> right. at a fair. Like yeah. 
there's no, uh, you know, robbing a vending machine using a plasmid plays into the theming of Bioshock mm -hmm. because it is this ultra capitalist society. And as people became addicted to this drug, like some of that veneer went away and they wanted to seal here. It's like it doesn't even make that much sense to have plasmids in general. Right. The kind of focus on weapons and plasmids in this, there's a little bit of a nod to it being kind of Second Amendment mm -hmm. stuff like you have the right to defend yourself. Um, but the kind of playfulness of it, like the, the way that they have these little educational films about them that's mm -hmm. carried over from Bioshock and their ubiquity, uh, does not like the average citizen of Columbia makes less sense having shock jockey than the average city citizen of rapture having, you know, shock jockey. Yeah. Uh, so vigors come up in the main narrative, of this almost, mm, let's say, two times three times like yeah. there's like there's one point where it turns out like oh they power their equipment using this particular one whereas the plasmids were just integrated with the entire story setting and plot of yep. bioshock like they yep. like they, they, these feel like you know they didn't know how to design a game without without plasmids they gotta have yeah it wouldn't yeah. be a bioshock game without these and right. can you imagine the combat like, oh. without without this right like can you imagine going through this as just a shooter it would be hell mm -hmm. um you know so you have to have something fun to do but it doesn't integrate into the fiction very well yes. because ultimately and that's a symptom of the ultimate problem of this which is that the fiction is superfluous yes um, all of the work getting to buy you into this fiction is not what the game wants to do. And you are an idiot for being interested in it. And this <laughs> right. game is laughing at you. Yeah. Why, why in the world, would, why in the why world would you, would you, you, about that? Would you think yeah. that that matters? You stupid yeah. idiot. Like I'm telling you a short story and you can think it's cool, but what's way cooler is me at Denny's arranging straws <laughs> to explain time travel. And, <laughs> and like that, why would, why would some idiot be interested in this narrative when you could be interested in this? <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the vigors, and we'll talk about the individual vigors as we run into them. Right, right. Um, there's also this nonsensical magical clothing fucking system. <laughs> why? I don't... Like, why? I don't know why you get magic clothes. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, yeah you um, know, just the, the, yeah. The, this is an especially dashing hat. Uh, yep. I, I think that it really it complements the. Fire when yeah. they hit me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is this cool hat that I found by you know lock picking my way into a library, and uh, <laughs> if anyone punches me, they get set on fire. Yeah, this is the kind. This is the kind of clothing they have in Colombia. <laughs> Whereas, like, if again, these are so these are the closest thing is tonics, which they have in Bioshock. Mm -hmm. The tonics in uh, Bioshock are actually like integrated into a story where people talk about them mm -hmm. in audio logs. Yeah. There's like, my husband has been tired lately. I, maybe he needs to get the sports boost tonic, mm -hmm. the sports boost tonic, which allows you to run faster and stuff is used in sports. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> here certain hats will make it. So when you empty your, your gun of ammo, it will actually automatically refill without you having to do anything. And not one person in the entire game talks about, the clothing system, right? It is entirely a function of gameplay and is not integrated in the narrative whatsoever. Yeah. Just like, why? No, nobody yeah. stops to ask why nobody, yeah. uh, uh pre preemptively tries to answer the question. Why? Nope, uh, you're just, just playing a video game. It yeah. is not a sense of place. It is not a believable society. It's none of these things you want from this franchise. And dare I say from video games, Yeah, it is just a corridor shooter with power ups mm -hmm. at this point. You know, the, the clothing system, this is very annoying. And the fact that, like, you know, I always went out of my way to get them in case they would be good. Mm -hmm. I would say about, like, going to the tonic things in Bioshock, I would, like, create a build. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you go way back to the Bioshock episode, I do melee builds generally for the old Bioshock games. 
And you can do that with a tonic. It like allows you to make a build. I forgot what I was wearing 100% of the time in this game. I looked like, at it. I looked at my yeah. wardrobe at the end of the game. Half of the pieces in it I got in the first third. Yep. <laughs> because I just like didn't. I was like, oh, this seems to be working fine. Yeah. Like it does. It's they're not fun to get. And mm-hmm. this is what they have instead of instead of this being like behind a stairwell. This is the treasure they put behind resource sinks. Mm-hmm. So this is like the equivalent of the storage rooms and dead space or something like that, where yeah. it's like, you know, oh, I've used a degree of lock picks to get in here. You want a meaningful treasure. If you weren't getting one of those vigor upgrades yeah. or, you know, those elixirs, you were getting this and it just never felt super good. Yes. Um, um, I, I want to hang a lantern on something that you said and make sure that we uh, draw attention to it. When you said, oh, dare, you know, dare say we expect it from video games. When we expect this, when we expect this to be, you know, something more than just a video game ass video game, um, mm-hmm. that don't, that, I don't think that's an unfair expectation for something that spends every single second of its runtime trying to convince you that it is something more than a yeah. video game. This, you know? this has high aspirations. Yeah. It also came out in 2013 where <laughs> like the kind of, um, you know, straight lace shooter this actually is mm-hmm. was pretty out of fashion. Oh, yeah. All the blood was like, drained from that. Yeah, that was not really a thing that people dug or was acceptable at the time. Like, yes, there were there's always going to be Call of Duties. But even by then, Call of Duties, you know, we had modern warfare. Mm hmm. Right. So they were a little bit more experimental. They had kind of these narrative grand ambitions. Like the thing this rounds down into was no longer really acceptable. Right. Even outside the context of the series, which gained its notoriety and its love and love from me personally for being so much more than that. Yeah. So. <sighs> uh, more to the combat point. Uh, let's talk about the skylines. Because this is the one wrinkle that they try to bring in by putting you into a city in the sky, right? You know, with these floating islands and floating continents, there has to be a way for them to move freight and, you know, sometimes people, um, you know, from one to the other. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you have these rails, like overhead roller coaster rails that during combat will zip you around an arena. You can jump onto them from a great distance. You can jump off of them and do like takedowns from a Mm -hmm. great distance. Uh, but this is primarily a way to find that one final bad guy who is stopping you from progressing because you are te- yeah. technically still in combat. In combat mode. I, I He's like way across the map <laughs> doing pot shots. I, I don't like the way that these feel. I don't like what this does to the combat arena design. Um, and more on a symbolic level, I think that it's fucking hilarious that what they have you doing in this incredibly linear game is hopping on rails. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty good. It's pretty like, on the nose. Yeah. yeah. There there are times I think this works. Um the big thing going back to it that I realized was like so like when there is there are a couple of big arenas with these that I think are okay. Mm-hmm. Um as far as how they affect combat. There are fewer of them than I remember. Like this was supposed to be the big combat innovation. There are maybe 5 of them. Yeah. Like 5 skyline heavy arenas in the game. There aren't very many. Most of the time it is corridor shooting. And of those, I think two are pretty fun um, or that the skylines add significance to them. Yeah. Um, What's interesting about them to me is like, again, how they fit into the world. Like, yes, you have to move freight and stuff. And some of the spaces with them make sense, but they're always doing like fun roller coaster loop-de-loops. Yep. For reasons I can't quite (laughs) understand. You're you're wasting metal. You want that freight to have a good time. You (laughs) got to give it a little ride. 
And there's a part where you go to the police station and the outside of it is this family fun park of, of roller coaster ride lines. And I was just like, what is this space? Like, if you were just going to work, how would you do it? You know? <laughs> like, what is this? So, like, I think I think that they land sometimes, but in general, it's not enough. Yeah. Um, it... And mostly what I use them for, quite honestly, was the one hit takedowns from yeah. them to make combat end quicker. <laughs> right. You know, that was a, bi- a big part of it. Like, yeah. you're moving faster, a little bit hard to hit, even though the enemy can just kind of lock in on you and and just drain you down because yeah. that's kind of how it works. And then eventually they introduce ways to get you off of the rails mm-hmm. um, through their their travesty of a big daddy equivalent. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah these, these this is a, at best a mixed bag, but I think not, you know, it's like a 40-60 towards bad mixed bag. Yeah. The, 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 their relative rarity, I think, interacts with the clothing system in a really shitty way, which is a good number of the sets of pieces of clothing that you get end up uh working being about in, yeah being about these and you're just yeah. like it's just so situational so like when yeah. i when i when i see a skyline off in the distance i duck into a phone booth and put on my rail pants <laughs> like yeah i want to be able to run faster for five seconds after i dismount <laughs> uh from, from from a rail yeah you know? yeah so it just it just interacts with the systems in a really goofy way um, i agree i totally agree with that yeah uh so another thing that they differentiate themselves with is your companion elizabeth she is the girl that you're rescuing uh Mm -hmm. she has magic god powers she can um tear open time and space and and all of the things of all the possibilities that that can do it's mostly to create cover give you a hook to jump up to or like like a single use turret yeah here here's a robot that i've (laughs) i found a, I found a robot in another world yeah so like, yeah the lack of imagination with the alternate world and stuff in this mechanically uh-huh is dire yeah um you know because if you just think about like and i understand like development time is limited and stuff it kind of wasn't for this yeah you know like like that's the that's the comeback whenever we make a criticism about something like this where it's like oh you know you can't say it's trivial to implement a wider variety of things because game development is very expensive yeah this didn't have to be as expensive as it was if if the people behind it didn't change their minds every like year right and and change versions of it and early versions of this are cool as hell Mm -hmm. everybody who has played bioshock infinite even if you like it read the wiki on previous versions and cut content That's so good because it will make you weep. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is sounds so cool. And one of the things was having very differentiated things. Elizabeth could do. Yes. With terror as is um, seeing a terror for a sky hook just meant, okay, time for combat. Yeah. And you know, okay, I will go ahead and, and open that terror. And now this arena has a sky hook or I would do a <laughs> turret until like the turrets are paper, like they blow up almost immediately, but I would yeah. do a turret. Um, a couple times it was fun, like when she can summon, um, like the, the, uh, iron Patriot guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, at least kind of cool and felt a little empowering to have this like very tough robot on your side, but most of the robots she can summon most of the cover sometimes just weapons too, which is really weird. Like every enemy drops a weapons, but she can summon a big pile of machine guns. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I, you know, but the whole idea is we're shown through the narrative that she does this through time. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything is bare is just Columbia. Right. Like that she summons from like in the DLC at some point she summons a samurai. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What if they had done that in the main game and lots of stuff like that? Yeah. Like, I mean, and it can just be like one per set piece too. Yep. 
you know, like make it like a split second, that cool racing game where you could make, you know, uh, like air, uh, air traffic control towers fall across the course or whatever. Like there mm-hmm. is one thing about this arena that she can, that, that, that she can open up and bring in this absurd out of place and out of time thing. No, just, just add a sense of surreality. Yeah. To and, it, at the very and, least. And it even happens. It even happens in the story. Like there's a really good sequence where she is trying to run away from you and she opens up tears to all these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is cool and neat, but it just doesn't, it doesn't manifest in the things that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, it is, it is definitely a bummer. The other thing she will do is she will find you, uh, money, um, <laughs> just kind of generally. <laughs> she, um, she, she, so what she does is like this, this is the way that the AI does adaptive difficulty. If you're in the yep. middle of a fight, you know, while yep. hell, hellfire is raining down on you, she'll say, Hey, Booker. Everything will stop, and she will throw you five dollars. Yeah, <laughs> don't spend it. She pulls quarters from behind her ear. She is, she is the interdimensional grandma, and and, uh, and pulls quarters from behind your ears. Um, and sometimes she'll give you health and stuff too. I think this is the game's way of like you get like a, a like an extra life essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like eventually, this would dry up, and she'd stop doing it. Mm-hmm. It felt like I don't know if it, it works on a refractory period. I couldn't actually see the strings. Yeah. For it, so I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing she does. And these are all parts of ways to um, endear her to the player. Mm-hmm. Um, because other, I think that they went great pains. And this is something I think that they generally actually succeed at to make this not a game length escort mission. Yes. Like this character gets a lot, ends up on like a lot of lists of really great sidekick characters because she's helpful and doesn't get in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are smarter than me have criticized that and kind of taken that apart, that argument apart. Yeah. Um, and I think that that they're probably right. But for me, as far as just providing the least amount of friction as a companion, she is successful. Yes. Um, I am disappointed with the lack of verb she has as far as the tears go, though. Yeah. Just it it, it has so much promise as a concept, and it yeah. is used in interesting ways in the narrative. It just doesn't bleed through into again the thing yes. that you do. Um, um, a big difference with this is that uh, as opposed to Vita Chambers in this. Um, when you die, you either your companion gives you injects you with something, yeah, or you just kind of come from <laughs> like the spirit private eye office, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of nonsensically. And this has two major knock on effects that are different that make it different than Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is it costs money, so if you run out of money, you can't do it. Um, Only in the 1999 version, if you run oh, out, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. If you run out of money, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't cost anything. The biggest thing that is obnoxious to it, to me though, is that enemies heal mm-hmm. after you do this, which did not happen in bioshock one a lot of people didn't like the via chambers in bioshock one because it just meant you could just wrench the first big daddy and just keep going at it mm-hmm. um go to that episode where i talked about like it's cool they patched it out but also you could just choose not to do that yeah um you know that's the most boring way to get through it like you know it's like my friend who summoned for every fight in final fantasy 8 <laughs> right yes like, you can do it um but the other thing this does is it just protracts the already really limp combat so mm-hmm. like if you're just wearing down at this handyman who is not particularly fun to fight and you're just wearing him down and you happen to get killed because your shield is garbage and you know, you get a run of bad luck. It just means the fight's longer. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't like, I wish they had just not healed every enemy. I don't know why mm-hmm. they do that. Um, especially when it's outside of 1999 mode where you can never actually die. Right. Like it just you, like it puts you in a purgatory situation. It, it's like a simulator of the situation in Binding of Isaac where you have nine lives <laughs> and you die against Hush. <laughs> and it's like, well, now I get to fight Hush eight times with one health each time. Yeah. You know, uh, so pretty, pretty big bummer. Like it, it's 
on the surface very similar, but it makes less sense. It, like Vita Chambers made sense of the story. They were actually mm -hmm. a major plot point um, in the story. Here it is when Elizabeth brings you back, it's fine. When you just come back from the quantum realm, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's not played into the actual fiction and it's a worse execution of it. Yes. Uh, we talked about Handyman a little yep. bit, kind of as the stand-in for the Big Daddy. Um, yep. This game lacks that mechanic in general, the idea of a roving, patrolling guardian enemy. Um, yep. And instead, what it has is heavy hitter enemies, uh, such as... Their term, not ours. Yeah, they're, they're, they're their term. So, like, you know, firemen, or you know, who actually, like, throw grenades and stuff, or these, you know, uh, mechanized patriots, these automatons who are going to come at you. Um, and these are just cappers or centerpieces for these kind of combat bladders that you find yourself in. Yep. Um, we'll talk about these as they run, as they show up. Mm -hmm. um, they are generally a big downgrade. Yes. Um, not even generally. I don't think any of them are as cool as their equivalents. Right. Um, and things. Um, we talked about how the environments are pretty limited. Lots of corridors. Um, there are a couple of hub areas you can explore out from, mm -hmm. but not very many. Yeah. Um, there's almost no like side quest style content. Um, there are maybe three times you find a code uh -huh. for something and you have to cipher it, mm -hmm. um, to unlock a cache. Um, it's extremely rare though. Yeah. Um, no real environmental storytelling. Um, we talked about the audio logs being bad, um, but that kind of extends to environmental storytelling in general. Right. So those are all the ways that I feel like it mechanically fails. Mm -hmm. Let's get into the ways that thematically fails. Yes. So this game famously and infamously concerned itself, um, at least at the start, primarily with issues of race, because this takes place in 1912, still a very bad time for, you know, race in America. Yeah. Um, uh, and Colombia is incredibly segregated because of the philosophy of its rulers um, and just the way that everything is kind of set up. Yep. Um, so Ken Levine who we, we didn't mention this so far, but he's the guy. He's yes. the Irrational Games guy who made the Bioshocks and stuff. Who it's very, like, I just want to make a blanket disclaimer. It's very easy to villainize him when criticizing his work. Mm -hmm. Who knows Yeah, who was responsible for what? Like, when I was looking through that wiki, there are interviews from people who had input on things I was kind of surprised they had input on. Mm -hmm. This is more of, like, a, a wrapping up thing, but it is infuriating the way that we'll never actually know Yep, <laughs> the story of what got fucked up here mm -hmm. we just won't know there's just ndas like we'll know when the freedom of information act like <laughs> freeze it in 2080 or whatever like yeah. i'll be on my deathbed and someone can tell me well ken levine just had a bunch of different ideas <laughs> no he plumbed in them all um and that'll be how i die and i'll yeah. just nod solemnly to my many many grandsons and daughters <laughs> and shut off the um but so we don't really know. Yeah. But he says this, and this just sounds like such horseshit. So the reason why I did that disclaimer of like not personally being mad at him, but like mm -hmm. he says he's not trying to make a statement on race, instead just attempting to accurately reflect the time period. You chose that 19th. time period. But, yeah, like it's a choice that you made it. The imagery is so charged that you cannot use it irresponsibly. Right. <laughs> like you you simply cannot. Yeah. Like you can't do a game about with lynchings in it mm -hmm. and not have the game at least be about lynchings like lynchings are too powerful and too evil to serve as a backdrop yep <laughs> um and there's no reason to have them as a backdrop if it's something you're not interested in right and i think that he wanted that heat mm -hmm. of of having this without actually having to do the work yeah of treating this sensitively like i for not one second do i think he like well i don't really you know i just we kind of chose it out of a hat 
Um, you know, we, we don't really want people to actually think about the race stuff in this. Mm -hmm. No, you thought it was very, you know, your big aha racist moment that happens early on in the game. You want that to have a huge impact, but mm -hmm. you don't want to do anything with it. Right. <laughs> and it's so much worse than the objectivism thing. Yep. Because one, they did more with the objectivism thing than this mm -hmm. does with race. This goes into reverse. Like this does bad stuff with race. It it it, um, it, it is actively regressive. Yes. And, and not necessarily and when we say bad stuff with race, we're not just saying we know the difference between presenting racist imagery and being racist. Yes. Don't, you know, oh, every Spike Lee movie is racist because it ends with like a, a sizzle reel of minstrel shows. No, like I understand that's not the case. <laughs> right. What it does, we'll talk about, and people yeah. who played it know. Yeah. But we're not saying it's racist because it shows, you know, because uh, it shows people oppressed. Watermelon. Yeah. You know, because it because it, it shows like you know, and I like, I'm not trying to use that as a slur. I think I think that's the name of the drawing. Yes. Right. Like yeah. like like small black children eating watermelon. I know we know it's not racist because it shows that. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. And also the act of choosing to do you know to portray 1912 and 2012 or 2013 uh and saying oh this can just be wallpaper and that is of the time completely disregards the fact that this is still an issue it's just yeah. gone underground in a way that like it's just like talking about this like it's a relic of the past and it can be turned into wallpaper is yeah. super insulting and what's worse than a tin than a tin ear like a wax paper ear yeah yeah <laughs> And it, it, you know, so 20, this wasn't starting development, this, but it came, you know, came out in 2013. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like birthers weren't about. Yeah. <laughs> and that, like, racism was not hidden, right. like, the way it was. Like, yes, right now we deal with it in a much more elevated way because mm -hmm. we have Trump. Mm -hmm. um, so we have shit like Charlottesville. We can just point to it and be like, oh, yeah, there's just, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's white supremacist marches on the streets of major American cities. Yeah. <laughs> like, we can just point to that. You couldn't point to that in 2013, but you did have people questioning the legitimacy of the first black American president mm -hmm. based on trying to disqualify him as not being American enough for clearly racist reasons, reasons. Yes. And it wasn't hidden, right? It wasn't like something you had to be kind of in the know to know that mm -hmm. that wasn't a surprise to the people who made this. They just decided to go with it. I think that that, you know, that is disingenuous that they didn't want it to be about race. I think they did want to, and then eventually decided well, we actually wanted to be about this quantum stuff, mm -hmm. but let's leave that stuff in there because people react really well to it and it feels important to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then once he started getting pushback, said like, no, 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 it's not about race. We want to just present the things and leave it up to the player to decide yeah. what they think, which is his big quote about that, which makes me want to throttle him. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I think that sucks. You can take a stand. It's okay to believe something. God yeah. It's okay it. to believe something. You weird weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, and also, uh, you know, if you, if you look at just being, uh, just being true to the time, you know, don't dwell too much or don't read too much into the fact that he backported Occupy versus Tea Party stuff in 1912. Yeah. There's no look at that. Yep. Like, you know, he, it's like class struggle he, is another part of this. <laughs> class struggle is another part of it that he magnified the strength of by mapping it to civil rights. Yeah. And then has the the fucking gall to then come to the conclusion that if the people who are being impressed got in power, they'd be as bad as anybody else. Yeah, just uh, like, the, the, the fucking gall that uh, it is just kind of taking your fate into your own hands and, you know, you know, doing uh, throwing off oppression via violence. That is worse or just as bad as generations of systemic oppression and, and exploitation. Yes. Like, fuck you. And, and we were, we're going to show both and have the characters multiple times. Yeah. Draw that equivalence. 
like I there's one famous one uh-huh. that people always call out in replaying it. I was surprised by how often it came up. Oh my gosh. Booker says it. Elizabeth says it. Everyone <laughs> says it multiple times. The game is telling you. Yeah. Listen, there is no difference between racist yeah. and people who hate racists. <laughs> over and over and over. There, 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 is, there is no difference between racists and the people whose lives they make hell and the people yep. whose bodies and livelihood and children they use. Like, yep, they, they take advantage of. There's no difference between uh, the, the Fink uh-huh. and the people who uh, who in the slums. Yeah. Because if they got power, they just do it to him. It is a lazy, cynical, uh, mean-spirited, and just false mm-hmm. like philosophy for a game Yeah, that somehow, because it does this quantum stuff that was kind of inventive <laughs> at the time, a hundred game reviewers lost their fucking minds yep. and didn't look at critically and were like 10 out of 10, game of the millennium. Yeah, because it's important. Because it's important. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Like the idea that the free pass that he got, because... Whenever you somebody does something like this and you praise them, mm-hmm. that is all they're going to hear. Yes. So Ken Levine is still walking around like I do not have faith that he has had meaningful reflection on this mm-hmm. or has been caused to. He's got these game of the year awards and covers and stuff framed on his office for this game and is walking around being like, you know what? It was really hard to make Bioshock Infinite and ultimately it was very brave of us, but we actually managed to do it. <laughs> and uh, I think that should really be commended. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine that not being his perspective on it as opposed to ever reflecting on something or listening to his critics because yeah. the the positive outcry was so loud and so immediate that when people finally regain their senses, it's like, why would he go back and revisit it? Mm-hmm. Like, he's making some kind of weird choose your own adventure game now. He doesn't give a shit. Right. You know, so this just drives me nuts, like the way this was treated and the way it allows for somebody like you should be able to make what you want to make. But somebody getting kind of a free pass for something that is ultimately this like ugly and misguided Mm -hmm. just offends my sense of justice. Yeah, I I don't want him to be hurt. I just want him to like reflect. (laughs) I want him to grow. Yeah. You know, so so that, he, you know, so that more people don't make the same mistake again. There has to be. A, a weight of responsibility that comes with playing in the subject matter. You can do mm. it. It's not like there needs to be a moratorium on, on, on ever discussing race in totally. games. It just you cannot be totally done. It. it cannot yeah. be done from a state of just complete complacency and cynicism. This was yeah. uncomfortable at the time, but playing it nowadays, I felt like I was wearing a sweatshirt made out of cockroaches. Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. yeah. It, it felt it felt really gross. Yeah, like know, the keyboard was a spider. Yeah, like and, it just, you know, it just, yeah, yeah. And you know, so it's it's been it's been raised a few times, but Ken Levine's only conviction is that extremism is bad. Okay, yes. and again, we're saying this because he is the auteur. He's put himself out there. He is the he is the face that is at the front of this. He is the Comstock for this Columbia, right? The original mm-hmm. Bioshock could kind of get away with talking about objectivism and theories of economics because those are, I mean, like the, it, it, those are of less of an amplitude, right? There are victims yeah. of all those ideologies that, that all, all these ideologies that they're talking about. Um, but it is, you know, just kind of, kind of a smaller wavelength, right? Levine's mm-hmm. deciding, Hey, we did that so I can do this. It's like a little kid saying I can play with dynamite because firecrackers never killed me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause I, I've got a black cat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the other thing that it misunderstands of his own work is that Bioshock was much stronger talking about video games than it was talking about politics. Yes. Like the, the part about video games that is about choice, the would you kindly scene and stuff that everyone mm-hmm. loves is the much stronger, more interesting thing that happened. Yeah. The much less interesting thing is the objectivism stuff. Right. You know, like it does have a little bit of something to say about that, but it's not 
particularly strong. Mm -hmm. This a shoe doubles down on the thing it didn't do as well, and then totally does a left turn on the thing it does do well. Yeah. Um, there's also this kind of like semi-critical, but again, both sides. Well, like real quick about that bit, both sides thing, right? Like, I think this mm -hmm. is a, a quote from um, the Aaron Signal video from it, mm -hmm. but the politics of it, the centrism of this is not only just centrism, but it's such a straw man centrism where it's saying the player has to take, and I think this is like Chris's quote, um, is uh, somewhere, somewhere left of Klansmen and somewhere right of baby killing revolutionary <laughs> like what a wide gulf of centrism that yeah is. Uh, just so you, you know how what we call you... that yeah it's saying nothing yeah, it is yeah. Like, what, what what that space is called is i get the benefit of the doubt yep <laughs> yeah i i get no one can ever say i'm so scared of someone saying i'm wrong about something i'm going yeah. to say you know something totally we used to do in high school we would have um uh, i took a speech class mm -hmm. so there'd be like persuasive speeches yeah and the teacher of that class who like in hindsight, super not good dude, like dated some students. Ooh, pretty gross. Um, it was a weird thing that everyone kind of liked him and we never really examined. <laughs> I need to talk to my friends from that time and be like, hey, why Why did we used to like that guy? What was wrong with us? You know, and I guess we were 17 at the time. We didn't really understand the power imbalances. Right, right. But his whole thing was like, you don't get to do a persuasive speech against world hunger. Right. You know, you don't get to do a persuasive speech against yeah. anything that is everyone would dislike. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's not good enough. <laughs> you know, if there's no if there's no controversy, if there's no skin in the game, you're not actually taking a position and everyone no, else through it. Nobody's on the other side of this. What are you doing later? Yeah. <laughs> and the, 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 not to make light of that. Like yeah. is, is by all information, even though it was predatory and disgusting, it was consensual and it was like an you know, a twenty-four year old and an eighteen year old. Yeah. So it's not as it's disgusting, yeah. but I don't want anyone to think I'm just making light of something like no, no. absolutely putrid. Like this right. was you know, late high school. Yeah. It is still putrid. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So so even though it is taking that extremely wide lane, um, the only villains left standing at the end of this main story are the revolutionaries. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like they're like, those are the last people you kill. And the lasting message of this is that violence is not OK, that, you know, these people, you know, will just turn around and literally kill other children when you are a walking apocalypse. Yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Violence is not OK unless you're doing it. And then people <laughs> criticize that. Uh -huh. And then they went for the DLC. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, the DLCs, which I want to talk about, which I think are one of the most limpest like apologies for a video game that I've ever played. Mm -hmm. Like they have cool set pieces, but they're pathetic. Yeah. And they're just like, you know, you don't have to be violent. You know, <laughs> you can you can be stealthy if you want to. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is way too little too late. This is mm -hmm. confused and disgusting. Yeah. You're just embarrassing yourself with this apology. Yeah. Like take what little dignity you have and fucking limp out the door. Mm. Bioshock Infinite, like, don't try to apologize with these DLCs. No. Um, so, and it's not, it's not just that the most recent enemies you kill are the revolutionaries. By volume, that's most of it. Yes. Which I also didn't remember. Mm -hmm. In my mind, like, it was like, oh, like, you come back from the terrorists pretty late in the game. No, it's about halfway through. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's most of the big combat encounters. The climax of the game is killing abolitionists. Yep. <laughs> it's like, killing abolitionists who have manufactured demon Lincoln robots. Yep. It's killing Lincoln <laughs> yeah. and killing and killing abolitionists is the climax of the game. Yeah. Wave after wave of abolition, someone who's against slavery, mm -hmm. wave after wave of them, you're mowing them down in desperation and portrayed as the hero of that scenario. Um, and it just, did no one say this out loud uh -huh. when you were making the game? Did nobody give you a sum up of like, okay, just, 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 uh, to make I just sure want to read this back to you. <laughs> 
And let me read back what you said. (laughs) So the climax is this like really, really bad endless uh, ship segment where we just kill tons of of civil rights fighters. Okay. Just like tons of them. Yeah. Tons of them. Like, yeah, there's no there's no more racist or anything we're dealing with. We're just killing civil rights. Okay. Okay. Just killing civil rights. Is should there be like a Mecca Rosa Parks? Should we like pencil in some kind of gigantic Mecca Rosa Parks who slams a bus down on you? Like it should we do that? Would that be cool? Like how, how many, how many Malcolm, should there be the Malcolm X man? Do, we have to fight? Like, <laughs> do, do, do you really want this weapon to be called the Sojourner truth bomb? Yeah. Monster <laughs> Kingslayer. Like what, what, how, how far can we take this? Mr. Levine, you know, <laughs> like for fuck's sake. And so like, if your message that you, you know, that, that you're talking about is that revolutionary, revolutionary violence is wrong. Um, you cannot have your main character doing this. You cannot draw those equivalencies. Like, you know, you can personally abhor violence. I personally abhor violence. I would never project that onto an, like onto policy, an oppressed person. onto an, yeah. onto an oppressed person. Yeah. Right. It is, it is not fair. That's the thing too. And that's a very 2018 or 2016 onward mm-hmm. thinking that I came to that, but at the very least, like, so I am like, I don't care if some windows get fucking smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, I think it is a minimum to come to the point where you can say that the subjective reality is enough that my principled stance that one should never punch somebody mm-hmm. that you can't tell that to somebody who is being ground down. Right. You know, like, oh, like, you know, I'm statistically like 10 times more likely to die than you are. Um, then maybe you don't get to tell me, mm-hmm. you know, what I what I should what my opinion should be on violence. Right. Like, and that's more arguable. Like, I understand some people listening are just gonna be like, no, it's the principle. Like, you yep. just kind of do that. Um, this does not exhibit the principle. That was our point. Like, even mm-hmm. if that is your point, you are still a one man apocalypse and you are still just killing and killing and killing and killing and killing. And like, yes, people are trying to kill you, but that was, that's not a reality thing. That's a thing that, again, Ken Levine decided to make. Yes. Like he portrayed the, the, the freedom fighter, you know, the abolitionists, the, the freedom fighters, civil rights people as murderous thugs. Mm-hmm. Like, so yes, like you can say like, oh, Booker's not really at fault because he's just self-defending himself. But there's an author to that situation. Yes. This is not something that just happened. Yeah. This isn't history. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like somebody doing a, why are you hitting yourself against this fictional oppressed person that they have made? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't it, know. Yeah, it's. It, it's very frustrating. Um, so the, these issues of racism and class struggle, which, as we mentioned, are too important, just to repeat, too important to be used as backdrop. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is irresponsible. Um, and at some point, the game was about this. Mm-hmm. We're about those things. At some point, Levine actually decided he wanted to tell a story about the many worlds theory. Yep. <laughs> and this kind of quantum stuff. Um, and what that does is this weird shift halfway through the game, which we'll talk about more in the, the body of the episode, um, where you are just kind of, I felt like kind of legitimately mocked for caring about the struggle mm-hmm. in the first half of it. Like the joke is on me. I fell for your bait. And that is why this game like falls into that. Like, I wish this game was what it like, like what it purports to be. Yeah. Kind yeah. of thing. I think I can make that comparison with final fantasy 10. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish this game was did not do the big twist. I wish it was just about yeah. the bait. And that's not to say there's nothing to love about a story that does the timeline and space fuckery that this does. Like, there can be a game about that. And I think a lot of people, when they come away from this saying, oh, I liked that, they like the weird, you know, uh, corridor of infinite mirrors that this presents, right? You just can't mm-hmm. weld the two of them together. It, yeah, they don't work together at all. 
Yeah. Like they don't work together. There are also a thousand plot holes in yes, that and yeah. plot holes have become a, a dirty word mm-hmm. now kind of rightfully like there's a lot there's a whole kaiju industry of youtubers pointing out plot holes in movies where they're not plot holes there are legitimate things that just make no sense in this mm-hmm. that if, if you had said them out loud somebody again somebody would have called them out mm-hmm. um we're going to call them out when they show up uh here but it means it's just more evidence of these two things being welded to get this mouse rat mm-hmm. that, that he made <laughs> you know or pigeon rat yeah. that is just not uh particularly good yeah um the kind of the the characters who this is you know it's been a minute since we've been positive at all yeah um i think everything not everything with them because they're so tied into the problematic nothing in this is pure right everything gets dirty by the the thing of this but there's these puppet master characters in this called the Lutest twins who i think that their general the story of them figuring out who they are and what they are mm-hmm. is legitimately interesting and very cool yeah it's one of and my favorite things about the game Yep, they're always welcome. The voice performances are really strong. Jennifer Hale does amazing as Rosalind. Yeah, she's extremely good. They're both really good. They, mm-hmm. they speak about these kind of constants and variable variables. They talk about fate uh, and choice, things like that. They kind of tease the player with these philosophical things between dozens and dozens of cop-killing sprees. Yes. And uh, they're good. Yes. Like, they're interesting and good. There, it has that Final Fantasy X problem again, where there is no reason for them to be quite as coy as they're being. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, think about the human life that would have saved if you yeah. wouldn't have fucking done that. <laughs> yeah, if you could have just told me something. But then again, you know, on, the, like, on, on the scale that they exist at, human life doesn't matter. Yeah, they're 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 um, Doctor Manhattan's. Right, right. You know, Doctor's Manhattan. But, yeah. I mean, human life doesn't matter, but it totally does because that's the motivation of the male Lutess. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's doing it is because human life matters. So, like, no. Yeah. Okay. But, but they, yeah. yeah, they just, uh, there's no reason for them to be coy and cute. Mm-hmm. But the coy and cuteness is enjoyable. Yeah. You know. Uh, but they, you know, they, they they show up and it's always really cool when they show up because there's, you know, the, the light change, the music changes. It, it, yeah. it, it is always this surreal little pocket within the story. And they present you with choices, right? And they're talking about about constants and variables and the trick of this is that none of the choices that you make matter um and the overall design of the game as we talked about with you know uh just (laughs) taking all the choice away they talk about constants and variables but it is just constants and constants Mm -hmm. yeah it uh it it just it is what it was you know and they they straight up say that at some Mm -hmm. point like no he doesn't row Oh, you mean he he doesn't row? No, he doesn't. Yeah, like he 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 didn't do it. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Yeah, it, uh, it is sad. Just uh, uh, linguists have not caught up to where we're at. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this kind of we talked about this a little bit. This is him kind of making a statement about whether free list free will exists in real life versus video games, uh, and kind of made this grand statement about this meaninglessness uh, by which he made a corpse strewn. <laughs> thoroughfare right to 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 express this point right. um this corpse strewn thoroughfare fair is worth talking about um this game is extremely violent mm-hmm. um and this came out again didn't start getting developed at this time mm-hmm. but was released at a time where the discussion about video game violence um and how that is tied into game design was definitely in the air yeah there like it was, it was almost a little bit of an articulation point like this and gone home came out at roughly the same time um also made by bioshock people yeah (laughs) so really interesting like different competing directions Mm -hmm. um you know so i i i personally fall on the side that the brutality of this fits with booker's character 
Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that thematically, again, there is a certain hypocrisy or I think laziness of thought in saying all violence is bad except for the hard choices made by hard men. Yeah, I, I want to. So we, we talked about this a little bit. I think during the next episode, which will be our dispatch, mm-hmm. I want to have a longer talk, conversation about video game violence. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody actually asked us that, but I just have I think it's very interesting. and It'll tie it'll dovetail really well into this and into Pyre, which is a game that explicitly uses kind of nonviolence mm-hmm. to express competition in a way that I think is kind of interesting. Um, I agree with you. Like, I also don't go in for all violence is bad. The way the thing that it rose me wrong in this is how showy it is. Yeah. It glorifies it's not that it. It happens. Yeah. It is very glorified. And like, so it's not just enough that, you know, you're killing lots of people in this. It's not just like just wheeling out ludonarrative dissonance. It's that it's lovingly showing a drill being shoved into somebody's face in slow motion. Yeah. You know, um, the violence is just, it is a lot. The, um, when, when, like the first act of violence that you commit in this, you know, it's not just like shooting a guy to get away. It is shoving somebody's whole head basically into a blender that is attached to your wrist. Yes. An immersion blender Yeah, that you have uh, on your wrist. And that's just a lot, uh-huh. you know, and it's like, it doesn't disturb me. I'm not actually like pretty immune to violence. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it doesn't affect me really. Um, and I can get very into justice related violence. Mm-hmm. You know, like if somebody is really shitty and they get their just desserts, I can feel a thrill about it Mm -hmm. that I have chosen not to fight. Right. You know, Um, but this doesn't feel like that to me. And then this is tied into in a weird way, in a way that's very frustrating to me in the DLCs where they say you don't have to be violent. Mm. Um, We're going to give you the stealth option until it ends with a really, really brutal first person lobotomy. Yeah. That is one of the most violent things I've seen in media. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, what is your philosophy? Uh, Bioshock infinite. Like what is the, the, where's the coherence in what you're trying to get across with this? Because it's enough evidence to know that it is intentional. Mm hmm but not enough evidence to understand any direction you're going yeah. with it. So like, it doesn't just bother me that it's violent. I love violent video games. I play video games where you shoot people all the time. I actually like it. I think it's mm-hmm. cool. I am not on the, like I'm searching for more nonviolent video games tip mm-hmm. that like a lot of my peers are. I don't, I play nonviolent video games and violent video games. There's enough for both mm-hmm. There's room for both. I love them both. Um, but I think this specifically is so hard to suss out the philosophy behind it. And it feels like there has to be a philosophy behind it because one, the game presents itself with this inflated sense of grandeur and two, it is so extreme and so um, underlined when it shows up. Mm-hmm. So um, the development of this and a lot of these problems we're talking about are probably related to our next bit, which is about the development of this, mm-hmm. which was a long nightmare. Yes. So auteur work by Ken Levine, as we said, um, auteur theory falls down in a big video game like this because there are so many people involved and it goes through so many revisions and it's painted over, you know, mm-hmm. points made. Uh, yeah. This initial concept came to him six months after the release of Bioshock 1, um, and he specifically ducked out of Bioshock 2 in order to work on Infinite. I think it was called Project Icarus at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this game went on to take five years to develop through several different versions. Yes. And and the big thing about this that is interesting, the closest we're ever going to get to the story, is that during that development time, a lot of it was on display. Yes. So there were like E3 trailers and gameplay trailers, things like that. And you can find all that stuff online. Mm-hmm. Um, if you pop into Google or into YouTube, uh, you know, the Bioshock Infinite we didn't get. Mm-hmm. You'll find a bunch of different reviews that are nice. They don't have a dude screaming over them. They are just footage mm-hmm. of old stuff. And that wiki um, is really great as well yes. for cut content and old versions of it. 
Um, the version that most is most widely seen uh, had this kind of dilapidated Columbia. It was kind of post-revolution, similar to Rapture, mm -hmm. um, and had these reoccurring big daddy fights with the songbird, who is a creature we'll talk about. Yes. Um, and it was much more about politics. Yeah. Um, there was like this evil senator character. Mm-hmm. Who still shows up? There's like a weird, there's one line of dialogue they didn't cut <laughs> yeah. where someone's like, I'm going to vote for him. He's for faith and family. Yeah. And then later you see his scalp pinned to a board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because that's what the revolutionaries do. Yeah. So, like, oh man, he sounds like he might be a bad guy. Oh man, the people who do this are way worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, one of the things that bums me out, like, I really wish it was, you know, I guess smaller, like, 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 like small political like that. You mm -hmm. know, and looked at specific aspects of like Gilded Age class struggle. Like that would have been good, better than yeah. what we got with the religion and whatnot. Um, uh, but for me, something I was really disappointed about is the old Columbia and these initial versions was Art Nouveau. Uh, it was mm -hmm. designed like that to kind of complement or be a counterpoint to Rapture's Art Deco, right? Yep. Uh, they scrapped that for technical reasons because Art Nouveau is really hard to render with all the, yeah. you know, flourishes and things like that. Like just it would have been turn of the century Paris and would have been sweet, but they got rid of that and made it more neoclassical or Palladian. Think like Monticello with pillars and things everywhere to go with the theme of American exceptionalism that's on display here. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think it would have looked neat if they did it the other way. What they did now, I think, fits yeah. architecturally. Like, yes, mm -hmm. that would have been super cool looking, though. Yeah, yeah. Totally agreed with that. Um, and some of that actual Art Nouveau stuff does leak into the game. Yeah. There's, like, arches and stuff where it's like, oh, that's kind of weird out of place. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. an old design. It's it's like one, one particular area that you get to later on that is, like, the, 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 the hoity-toity uh, shopping district mm -hmm. that has some of that. Yeah. Um, the, the initial concept of, like, a flying city... Uh, Corrupt Flying City at the turn of the century was brought to Levine by reading about the 1983 World's Fair, mm -hmm. um, specifically the Columbian Exposition. World's Fairs are neat. Yep. I'm a dork for that stuff, too. Sun Sphere. Yeah. Yeah, the Sun Sphere. <laughs> you mean the Wig Sphere. <laughs> An information um, desk. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's cool. Uh, that, that Like, that's interesting uh, to, to, to look at. Um, yeah. You know, uh, good subject matter. In this old version, both Booker and Elizabeth were supposed to be silent protagonists, again, mm -hmm. like Jack or like Delta, uh, not speaking. Elizabeth was going to, like, get your attention by, like, literally grabbing you and pointing at what she wanted you to see, which would, mm -hmm. they got rid of because it would have been annoying. And that was a good instinct for them to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though some silence on behalf of the protagonist, like, not silence, but... Perhaps a little bit less, like a, a lot of the a, come with. A, a little bit of paucity. A yeah. little, yeah, a little paucity. Um, so this super long production process meant there were tons of turnover in the staff. Um, something that, that just came up, you know, this year because, or last year and this year, where there's been a greater discussion about kind of like uh, developers unionizing and such, mm -hmm. is the idea that like when you work on a game and you don't end up in the final version, you don't end up in the credits. <sighs> and it can become really hard to get a new job. Yeah. Based on that, like, you you know, that is how people will look at things. If you don't mm -hmm. show up in the IMDb credits for a game, yep. um, yeah. there's no real yeah. evidence you worked on it. Yeah. Um, and this did that five or six times. Um, you know, five or six games worth of content were thrown out to finish this. Um, and just tons of turnover what little has leaked is this weird kind of feels very hostile yeah. as a, as a workspace. And again, I want to read the book on it. I want there to be a documentary about the making of this. I don't think it will happen, but it would be badass just to kind of learn exactly what the human cost was of something like this. Like mm -hmm. 
one of the weird little ways you can kind of guess at that is how many ex Bioshock developers left during this or before this <laughs> to go on to make their own cool ass shit. Yep. <laughs> um, Bioshock is the most fertile like developer source. It feels like mm -hmm. like ex Bioshock people have done tons of cool ass shit. Yes. Like obviously Fulbright, but um, like the dude who did like Eldrick and Neon Struct mm -hmm. uh, does super good stuff. Um, I guess like, like We Happy Few is supposed to be pretty bad. I've not played that one yet. Yeah. Um, there's another major one too, though, that I'm I'm missing, but just because I didn't prepare for this. But a lot of people went on to go and make cool yeah. shit. Yeah. That 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 five or six games comment that was made kind of it really rubs me the wrong way because you know that's something that you hear musicians talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. with with their Position album, like a brag. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's like it's yeah. not like a brag. Like, oh my gosh, we had so many ideas that could have been their own thing, but this is the cream of the crop. Which is yeah. fine when you're talking about like studio time and probably the collective work of like maybe at most twelve or fifteen people. Mm -hmm. Um, when you're talking about a massive studio of 200 people over the course of several years and all the resources that are thrown into it, it feels profligate. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just it feels yeah. irresponsible. Like, why, why, why did you do that? I am a capricious Lord. Yeah. <laughs> is what that, what that is communicating. Yeah. You know, in, in just a pretty grotesque way. Um, <sighs> the music in the game is good. Yep. We'll talk about that. That is a big thing where people come away from this with, um, really positive impressions. I think that's one of the things they're remembering. Mm-hmm. Um, is cool because the actual OST is good, mm -hmm. but then as part of the plot with the terrorists and the like is there is a musician who is hearing music from the future and other dimensions. Mm -hmm. So you um, get these style covers of popular songs, specifically like from the eighties and such. So, mm -hmm. you know, you get a blues version of tainted love. You get like a steam calliope version of girls just want to have fun. Um, yep. You know, like looking at the genres that were around at this time period and you get these awesome, uh, like I said, just like style covers. And if you want more of these, uh, it's pretty twee, but um, is interesting from a composition perspective, postmodern jukebox. Um, yep. The people who did this went on to do that on YouTube and those videos are really good. Yep. And this this is kind of has become more of a style of the time. This kind of predates Westworld. Yeah. Doing something similar um, in kind of an interesting way. Um, it's good. Ultimately. That this is not my edit because I would only use those <laughs> as the music and the actual score. Like, is you know, the combat theme in this is good. There's actually yeah. good songs yeah. in it. I would exclusively use those because it's yeah. the only music on this I really care about. <laughs> it's uh, like the ragtime shiny happy people is so good. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. The uh, so this was lauded at the time, which we mentioned, won tons of awards. It sold extremely well. Um, as far as games that have aged, I think it is probably one of the worst aged games i said I, mean, I hate to repeat it to you but this aged like a free fly yeah it is yeah it is not aged well um which is part of the reason why we're doing this um is to kind of examine that um but it was really critically acclaimed yes um yeah, yeah. the uh, there's two pieces of dlc which we talk about um they kind of extend the story of the game and they tie it to the early bioshocks mm -hmm. um there's an interesting story there like they had to remake bioshock essentially all the areas in rapture for this new thing they couldn't mm -hmm. reuse anything um, they were something I remember playing and liking. And then when I started playing again for this, this episode, mm -hmm. um, I got through the first one. I quit halfway through the second one. Um, they are, have a lot of the same problems. Yeah. Um, but they also dial back a lot of things. So I talk about it as, as an apology. It apologizes from grand mechanical things like, okay, now we have health kits and you can have as many weapons as you want mm -hmm. down to, um, 
specific plot points like hey this character that did this shitty thing mm-hmm. that ruined their character they were forced to actually behind yeah. the scenes you didn't see it <laughs> it feels like a little kid playing with toys and just you know i have invincibility but you didn't know it because i did this <laughs> yeah like it's revisionist history in a way that is very sad yeah, it's, to me. It, it's really pathetic like in a oh when you when you make that face i'm joking kind of yes way. yeah like yep. oh i got in trouble for this so we better walk it back yeah sorry i'm sorry i'm trying to erase it <laughs> the uh the dlc <laughs> is what is what these are like that um you know just like oh people thought it was violent and you couldn't do stealth well yeah. what if you could <laughs> and it's like well you didn't make a good stealth engine or anything like it's uh-huh. not a good stealth game yeah um it's a little bit more interesting but this is so little and so late and like this is me saying that like i don't like content that allows me more frank fontaine and that yeah. <laughs> hurts me to say because i love frank yeah fontaine. well i mean also um, like it's i mean it's a little bit of a just a just too little too late which is like oh this didn't have the things that people really loved about bioshock well, why don't we just put it back in Rapture and make it connect right back to the beginning of the plot of that game? Yeah. Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. Dust it up. Let's go. Yard marks at Skeepers. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Very, very frustrating DLCs. Like, a little bit better because they're a more, co- like, smaller scale story mm-hmm. and stuff. But they also don't totally, they don't stand alone at all. No. Like, that you have to, like, it would make no sense if you hadn't played this game. Yeah. So, um, there's also another piece of DLC, the first one, which is called Clash in the Clouds, which is an arena combat expansion that really pumps up the difficulty and gives you um kind of individual challenges for things in order to unlock more cut content mm-hmm. and the like um it, it does the cut content through an inter- like a cool way like it, that i always like which is a museum you can actually walk through mm-hmm. as your character and kind of see these uh these things that look like statues but they're early models oh, yeah. for different characters stuff like that it actually looks kind of neat if i wanted to play the worst part of this game <laughs> over and over again lot, yeah. over and over again in arena wave-based combat if it was co-op, uh-huh. I could see it. Yeah, yeah. Like actually having some fun with it. It's dirt cheap. I can't hold, you know, them doing Clash in the Clouds against it. Yeah. There's also a board game, which apparently is similar to that, actually. Huh. Um, yeah. Weird. Uh, that is the end of part A. Yes, it is. Um, if you uh, if you like this, if you want to hear the rest of it, uh, that is for patrons. You go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. It is a fiver. Mm-hmm. To do so, you get the entire backlog of it as well as a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah. Um, we understand that money is tight, so you can save that up and listen to those uh, down the road if you'd like. Um, for everyone else, let's get into it. <laughs>